0: I'm Pastor Richard Gamble and the following message is made available by First Baptist Church of Bastrop, Louisiana. To find out more about First Baptist Bastrop, go to www.firstbastrop.org That's www.firstbastrop.org If you have your Bibles with you this morning, turn with me to Deuteronomy chapter 5. Deuteronomy chapter 5 We're back in Deuteronomy. and So uh, we're going to Work on it again. We started it back in the fall and uh, had a break during Thanksgiving and Christmas, and now we're back to Deuteronomy. So Deuteronomy chapter 5, this morning we're looking at verses 1 through 5. If you don't have a Bible with you, you can grab one of the Pew Bibles there and turn to page 140 in the Pew Bible. That's 140 in the Pew Bible, and if you don't have your own Bible, then uh, please take that Pew Bible with you. That's our gift to you. We want everybody to have a copy of God's Word. So, Deuteronomy chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. You know, motives matter. Motives matter. Uh, Valentine's Day is coming up. Men, remember that? Valentine's Day is coming up. And so, if uh, you... I know you're going to go, not if, but you are going to go, and you're going to buy your wife or your girlfriend some flowers or some candy or some jewelry or something right you're, you're going to give something to your your wife or your girlfriend and so uh, when you give that to her whatever you give to her uh, when you give it over to her she says, oh thank you dear i love them they're beautiful uh, and how would she react if your response was oh think nothing of it dear it was my duty probably not going to be very good right probably not going to be a good response back I mean uh, she's probably going to be upset if you tell her oh it was just my duty right motives matter motives matter and motives matter in fact when it comes to living in obedience to God's word motives matter what's the motive behind our obedience and scripture tells us that over and over again we need to have the right motives and so today we're starting back in Deuteronomy and we're coming to a a new section just to kind of remind you of of Deuteronomy and what we've learned already but uh, some of you weren't here when we started it Uh, so let me just remind you of a few things Deuteronomy The structure of Deuteronomy, Deuteronomy is a series of addresses, a series of addresses. So there's, in Deuteronomy, there's three sermons, one prophetic song, and one prophetic blessing. And all of these addresses, these public addresses of Moses, are weaved together in a historical narrative and so you get that you see that as you go through the book and you have one of these historical narratives in chapter 4 verses 41 to the end of the chapter there verse 49 you have one of these historical narratives so uh deuteronomy he he, we finished up the first sermon moses first sermon in chapters 1 through 4 and then at the end of 4 there's a historical narrative and that historical narrative kind of gives you reminds you of where the people of Israel are they're there on the plains of Moab so you 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 recall that this is after the exodus the people of Israel came out and they came to Mount Sinai or Mount Horeb uh, and they there God made a covenant with them he entered into a covenant with them and he gave them his law And then they moved on and they they got to the promised land and God said, go in and take possession of it. And they sent some folks in and the people there seemed strong and mighty. So they came out and says, oh, we can't do that. We don't trust you, God. We don't trust you to give it to us because those people are bigger than we are. And so God said, fine, then I'm not going to give it to you. You go wander in the wilderness for 40 years and i'm going to bring your children back here in 40 years and i'm going to give them the land and so now 40 years have passed by and so we get kind of the 40 years of the wilderness wandering in the the book of numbers but then we come to the plains of moab and now they've already uh, they've already conquered some some lands there east of the jordan river and the plains of moab and we've learned about those and so uh that little little narrative there in and 441 40, 4, through 49 kind of reiterates that it brings that up again and it tells us that Moses he established some cities of refuge there in those that eastern country right in east of the Jordan he established these cities of refuge we're not going to cover that because we're going to cover it more in depth when we get into the Deuteronomic law and so no need to cover that right now We've already established where we are. It's in the plains of Moab, and so we're kind of skipping over that section. Not that it's not important; it it is important. But uh, that's what it's giving us. It's it's kind of giving us the situation, giving us the setting of where all of these addresses are taking place. Now he moves on to the next address, the second sermon, and so uh, that's what we're we're entering into today. Now. In addition to being this series of addresses, we've also noted that the structure, the overall structure of the book is structured like a Caesarian vassal covenant or Caesarean vassal treaty. And so uh, you have there in your, your, your bulletin there, the handout, the covenantal structure of Deuteronomy. And so that lays out this kind of structure. So it's structured along the lines of an ancient a covenant treaty that would have been made between a caesarian a king and his vassals his people and so that's what we see here in the structure of deuteronomy and we've already covered the preamble the preamble introduces the setting and the occasion of the covenant ceremony second is the historical prologue and that was uh, chapters 1 6 through 4 40 And that reviews the the past history between God, the king, and Israel and his vassals, uh, signifying why the sovereign God has the right to rule over his vassals. And now we come to the general stipulations, the general stipulations, and and that takes up all of chapter 5. And this sets out the general principles that govern the relationship between God, the king, and Israel, his vassals. And so these are just general stipulations. We'll get into specific st- uh, stipulations after chapter 5, but we're, we're in the general stipulations now. And uh, we, we know those general stipulations as the Ten Commandments. Uh, the Ten Commandments, they're actually referred to as the Ten Words. Uh, a better name would be the Decalogue, but, but we know them as the Ten Commandments. And so we're going to get into those in the, the days ahead. But that's where we are here in the book of Deuteronomy. We're beginning the general stipulations of the covenant relationship between God and his people, Israel. Now, as Moses starts to set out the general stipulations of the the covenant, he starts by establishing first and foremost the right motives for obeying these general stipulations. He wants to make sure the people of Israel have the right motives, that that their their obedience is grounded in proper motives. Moses' motives here have two parts. Uh, We'll see the first major part today in in chapter 5, verses 1 through 5. And then next week, we'll look at the final motive uh, in verse 6. So, today we're going to see in verses 1 through 5, that God's self-revelation motivates obedience. God's self-revelation, his revealing himself to the people of Israel in a special and a, peculiar, a particular way, is motivation for the people of Israel to live in obedience to God. And it's our motivation as well when we realize that God has revealed himself to us in a wonderful special way that motivates obedience in us to live in obedience to the according to god's will so today we're going to see two reasons to live in obedience that are based upon god's self-revelation so two reasons based upon god's self-revelation why we should live in obedience to god's will So, now, if you found your place there in Deuteronomy chapter 5, please stand with me in reverence to the reading of God's holy word. And Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing today, and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. The Lord, our God, made a covenant with us in Horeb. Not with your fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. The Lord spoke with you face to face at the mountain and out of the midst of the fire while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord. For you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for your holy, inspired, and inerrant word. And Lord, we do pray today that you would write it upon our hearts, O Lord. Help us to understand your word today. Let us see uh, the wonder and the grace of your self-revelation to us, Lord. Let us understand the significance of this so that your self-revelation, your gracious self-revelation would motivate us to live in obedience to your holy will. Now these things I pray in Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. So as we look at our text today, first we should be motivated to live in obedience to God because God reveals himself relationally. We should live in obedience because God has revealed himself relationally. That is, in a covenant relationship. In a covenant relationship. Look at the first couple of verses there again. Hear, O Israel, the statutes and the rules that I speak in your hearing and you shall learn them and be careful to do them. All right? That's his his that's what Moses wants the people of Israel to do. He wants them, here's these general stipulations. Here's God's word to you. I want you to learn them and not only learn them, but learn to do them. All right? I want you to pay attention to this and and learn this. And then as he goes on, he says, "Here's why. Here's why it's important. Not just to Not just to do it, but but here's the reason why you should learn these things and learn to do them. And as he goes there, the first thing that we know here, he says, The Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb the Lord our God made a covenant with us in Horeb. Now remember, again, Horeb is Mount Sinai. We are more familiar with the name Sinai, but Sinai and Horeb are the same place. That was where they came to right after they, they were brought out of Egypt. They went to Sinai, and there on Mount Sinai, God gave, made this covenant with them, and he gave them his law, these general and specific st- uh, stipulations. He handed them down to them. And so the thing that we need to understand here that this covenant relationship a covenant relationship is a relational thing right it's a loving relationship it is a loving relationship God is coming to Israel in a loving way. He, he's set His love upon them in a special way. And He wants to covenant together with them. He wants to commit Himself to them. He says, I will be your God. Right? I will be your husband. And you will be my people. You will be my bride. You see, when we think about a covenantal relationship, it should bring to mind the, the covenant of marriage because that's what Scripture kind of uh, lines up with that covenant relationship, right? It gives the covenant of marriage as an example of this kind of covenantal relationship. Now, in our society today, re, uh, a marriage is more of a contractual th- type thing, right? It's a contract. The people today see it more as a contract. And marriage is treated quite lightly, right? It's not treated as a heavy thing. And so marriage is more of a contract. I agree to, I will, I'll be your wife and you will be my husband and, and you do these things and I'll do these things. And, and you know, when we get tired of that relationship, well we'll just cut ties and go our separate ways and it's easy to kind of break get out of a contract and you go your separate ways but that's not the way god intended it right back in genesis chapter two when god creates husband and wife he puts them together the husband shall leave his father and mother and be united with his wife cleave to his wife and the two shall become one flesh one flesh a marriage covenant is a covenantal bond where two people a husband and wife one man and one woman come together and they say i love you you love me and we're going to commit to one another for a lifetime Think about the covenant of marriage. and a covenant of marriage, husband and wife commit to love one another, to comfort one another, to keep one another in sickness and in health, in good times and in bad times, and to be faithful to one another for a lifetime. This is not a casual oath. It's not something to be taken lightly, but it is an oath taken out of love for one another. And so it is with God when He enters into a covenantal relationship with Israel. This is a serious matter. God has set His love upon Israel. He has chosen to love Israel out of all the peoples in the world. He set His love on Israel. He says, You are my people. He saved them, He brought them out of slavery, and He made them His own. You are my bride. I will be your husband. I will love you and keep you and protect you and, and be a husband to you if you will only commit to be a bride to me. It is a loving relationship based upon God's unconditional love for His people. And let me just say that if it, today, even today, as we come into a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, This is a covenantal relationship. Scripture talks about the new covenant in Christ Jesus. Jesus says when he took the the bread and the wine at the the Lord's Supper, he he took the the wine and he, he gave it to his disciples and said, this is the blood of the covenant. This is my blood of the covenant. It's a new covenant that Christ made with God's people. And when we come to faith in Jesus Christ, we enter into a covenantal relationship with God where He is our God, our husband. Jesus is our husband, and the church is His bride. We are entering into a loving relationship. God loves you. If you're a Christian, if you're a follower of jesus christ god has set his love upon you and he has committed himself to love you and keep you and keep you for all of eternity as his chosen bride it is a loving relationship but not only is it a loving relationship but we also need to know here oh wait a minute let me let me say this because you need to know this love is the greatest motive (laughs) We need to understand it's a loving relationship because love is the greatest motive. Let me say it again. Love is the greatest motive. In case you weren't hearing, love is the greatest motive. Right? Love is the greatest motive. God loved us. He loved us first. And because he loved us, now we can love him and set our love upon Him. Love should be our number one motive for living in obedience to God, for following His will. So husbands, when you send your wife flowers, and they say, thank you, dear, they're beautiful. What do you say? I bought them because I love you, baby. I love you. Love is the greatest motive. But not only is it a loving relationship, but we also need to notice that it is a personal relationship. It is a personal relationship. We see this in the text with the Israelites. There in verse 3, not with our fathers did the Lord make this covenant, but with us who are all of us here alive today. He didn't make this covenant just with your fathers. Like This was 40 years ago. this this, that happened at Horeb it was 40 years prior so all of those who were adults 40 years ago when when God first made this covenant with the people of Israel all of them wandered around the in the wilderness and all of them died the ones that Moses is speaking to in this text in Deuteronomy they were at the very least children some of them weren't even born when Horeb happened But to those who are elders now, who who were there, they were there as children. They saw this. They witnessed this. But Moses says, it wasn't wasn't with just your parents that God made this covenant. God's not the God of, of your parents and your grandparents. God wants to be your God. God wants to make this covenant with you. He's come into covenant with you. He has set his love on you, dear friend. Let me tell you, this is a personal relationship. Now, many of you grew up in church. You saw your grandma and grandpa, your, your parents go to church. That's the way I did it. I'm, I mean, I grew up, I watched my, both of my grandparents went to the same church with us. and we went to a small church, and so I got to, to watch my grandparents worship. And then I watched my, my parents. They, they made sure I was there every Sunday, Sunday after Sunday. So yes, the Lord my God, Jesus is the God of my grandparents and parents but not only that he's my God he wants to be in a relationship with me he wants to know me he wants to reveal himself to me in a special personal way it's a personal relationship Keith Manuel is the the team leader for evangelism and and church growth team down at Louisiana Baptist Convention and I remember this uh, a few years ago I got a little card in the mail and and it was addressed from Keith Manuel like who's Keith Manuel I don't know this guy but I opened it up and I read it it was a little card and and it said brother brother Richard Pastor Gamble something like that it said I just wanted you to know that the evangelism and church growth team, they prayed for you on you and your church on such and such a date and it was signed, Keith Manuel, and had out all of the people on his team signed off on that. I thought, oh well that's cool. They have a, a list of all the churches in the States and the names of the pastors and, and they're just going down through here and they're they're just praying for the churches of the state. Man, that's cool. That's awesome. That's great. I didn't think much else of it. I threw the car in the trash and went on with life. Uh, a few about a year or so later I don't know some time had passed but one day I got a phone call I picked up the phone hey brother Richard this is Keith Manuel from the the uh, exec or from the state convention here uh, I just wanted to, to call you and let you know that the evangelism and church growth team were here for you to uh, help you however we can and so I talked to keith for about 20 minutes that day just to get to know him i shared my story he shared his story and so we talked a little bit there on the phone i now i know him a little bit more now not is he only is he a a stranger on a card right a name on a card but but now i I know him he's an acquaintance i knew him a little bit better but now over the course of this past year uh, working with the convention and going to different meetings with the convention I've got to meet Keith, and we've talked in person. We've shared our stories. He had a daughter who went to Louisiana Tech, and so we we share that kind of uh, common interest there. And, and we we talked about that. And he he trains dogs on the side, and and that was interesting. So we talked about that. See, now I've gotten to know Keith not only as an acquaintance, but now I would call him as a friend now there's a personal relationship there he knows me i know him i have his number he has my number like i would would feel very comfortable calling him up and say hey I, i've got this can you, I, I talk to you about it right because we have a personal relationship now guess what if i go in the office in the weeks ahead and i get a letter from the evangelism and church growth team and it says brother richard i just wanted you to know that our team prayed for you today signed keith Manuel. now that letter means a little bit more because i know i'm not just a name on a roster down to the state convention i know keith knows me and he prayed for me and my church you see that personal relationship means something You're not just a name on a roster for God. You're not simply a name written down in a book. You are His child. And He wants a personal, loving relationship with you. He knows you. He knows all about you. He created you. He knew you before you ever breathed your first breath. He knew everything about you. Now He has revealed Himself so that you may know Him in a personal, loving relationship. Well, that changes. That changes our obedience, doesn't it? When we know that God loves us and wants to know us in a personal way, God reveals Himself in a personal, loving relationship And then out of that loving, personal relationship comes a greater desire to live in obedience to God's will. So we should live, we should be motivated to live in obedience to God because God reveals himself relationally. Second, we should be motivated to live in obedience to God because God reveals himself directly. God reveals himself directly. And this is the second little little phrase here. is similar to that first there. The Lord spoke with you face to at, face at the mountain. The Lord spoke to you face to face. Now, we know that it wasn't, this is not literal, right? This is not a literal. God wasn't. He didn't appear there and speak to them face to face as we would speak to each other face to face. But this means directly. In fact, if you go back to chapter 4 verse 12 there chapter 4 verse 12 you see there then the Lord spoke to you out of the midst of the fire you heard the sound of words but saw no form there was only a voice God is an invisible God And so even the fire was just a a demonstration of the glory of God. It wasn't actual God. It was the the glory of God radiating out of the mountain, off of the mountain. God is an invisible God, but but he spoke directly to the people of Israel. They heard his voice. You see, he, he revealed himself directly through special revelation, through a special revelation a kind of revelation that he doesn't give to everyone this is a special revelation look over at uh, chapter 4 verse 33 chapter 4 verse 33 there did any people ever hear the voice of a god speaking out of the midst of the fire as you have heard and still live Or has any God ever attempted to go and take a a nation for himself from the midst of another nation? By trials, by signs, by wonders, and by war, by a mighty hand and an outstretched arm, and by great deeds of terror all of which the Lord your God did for you in Egypt before your eyes. You see, this is a special revelation. God is revealing Himself in a special way to Israel, in a way unlike He has ever revealed Himself to anyone else in history up to this point. He is revealing Himself in a special way. And you know what? He reveals Himself to us in a special way as well. Primarily through His Word we have it here we have this revelation from God where he reveals himself more fully to us now let us understand the need for God's word let us understand the need for this special revelation that God has given us go to uh, Romans chapter 1 if you will Romans chapter 1 Some of you will be familiar with this verse, Romans chapter 1. In fact, in the men's Bible study, I think back this past Wednesday night, we, we talked about this verse. Romans chapter 1, verses 18 through verses 23. You see, God reveals himself in a general way to all of his creation, to all of mankind. Notice what it says there in Romans chapter 1, starting in verse 18. ever since the creation of the world and the things that have been that have been made so they are without excuse for although they knew god they did not honor god they did not honor him as god or give thanks to him but they became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened claiming to be wise they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal god for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. You see, God has revealed Himself in a general way to all of mankind. But this general revelation is is only enough to condemn all of mankind. Because as, as human beings, as mankind looks at the world and they look at the magnificence of creation, you look at all the wonders of creation, you have to say, there's a God out there who's powerful and mighty and wonderful and worthy of worship and praise, worthy of my allegiance. Yet, what does the human heart do? The human heart says, instead of worshiping the God of creation, I'm going to worship this animal. I'm going to worship the material things of this world. I'm going to worship money. I'm going to worship sex. I'm going to worship all of these other things instead of that wonderful, magnificent God. So the general revelation of God that He reveals in His creative power that we, we see in the world around us, it is enough to condemn us. It is enough to subject us to the wrath of God. God but it's not enough to save us. But in God's special revelation, in His Word, in the Gospel, He reveals Himself in a new way, not just as a powerful Creator, but as a loving, gracious, merciful, saving God. Look up there just a little bit in Romans 1.16. Paul says, therefore, I am not ashamed of the gospel. I am not ashamed of the gospel for, because it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, to the Jews first and also the Greek. For in it, the righteousness of God is revealed from from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. God has revealed Himself in a special way through Scripture, through the message of the gospel, for the purpose of salvation. So that He might call us to be His people, to redeem us, to save us from our slavery to sin. And to make us his people. Oh we need God's special revelation. And he has given it to us. He says here I am. Fully. Here's all you need to know about me. I am a powerful creator. I am a righteous judge. And I am a merciful savior. Who loved you in such a way that I sent my son. My only son to die on the cross for your sins. And I raised him from the dead so that you might know salvation in him. God has revealed himself through his special revelation, but also through mediated revelation, through mediated revelation. That is, uh, as our text says, notice what Moses goes on to say there. He says there in verse 5, while I stood between the Lord and you at that time to declare to you the word of the Lord, for you were afraid because of the fire, and you did not go up into the mountain. So for the Israelites standing there on Mount Horeb, the the glory of God came down on Mount Sinai, and the people trembled. When the voice of the Lord thundered out, they trembled And they said to Moses back there in in Exodus, they said, Oh, Moses, we have heard the glory of the Lord. We have heard His voice, and we are afraid. Let not the Lord speak to us, but you go, and you speak to the Lord, and, and let the Lord give you His word, and we will obey. And the Lord said to Moses, The people are right. For how can man stand in my glory and live? And so Moses mediated between the people of Israel and between God. He received the Word from God, and he gave it to his people. And that is how God has, he speaks directly to us, right? It is to us through mediation, through the prophets of old, through Moses, through Isaiah, through Jeremiah, through all the prophets that read, that wrote the Old Testament. He speaks to us through the, the apostles who have given us the new testament but he has mediated it through them but understand this is a direct communication because not only did god speak through them but he also speaks in us right he speaks in us and he speaks through his word because god's word is powerful right we couldn't stand before the glory of the lord If He came down today and stood in this church and we saw the glory of the Lord here today, we would not be able to stand in His presence because we're still stained by sin, right? We still have sin in our lives. Even though He's purified us and made us holy in Jesus, we still have that stain of sin on these sinful bodies. We would not be able to stand in His presence. So He has given us His Word in the Bible. But this is a powerful Word. And it's not just like any other book, but it speaks to us in the power of God. It speaks in us to move us and change us and transform us. He has spoken to us through His Word. Oh, let me tell you, dear friend, a lot of people say they know God. But let me tell you, if you don't read the Bible, do you truly know God? Because this is how God has revealed Himself to us. This is God's special revelation. You can't know God if you don't get into the book. If you don't take time to read the Word of God, you don't know God. You've got to be in the book you got to read it. you got to listen to it. If you want to know God personally, relationally, intimately, get in the book. Read His Word. He has mediated Himself through the prophets and the apostles and given us this Holy Word. Get in the Word. But He's also mediated Himself through Jesus Christ. Through our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 1 verses 1 through 4. Some of you will remember this long ago at many times and in many ways. God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he has appointed the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. god has spoken to us directly he has revealed himself directly to us through his son jesus christ dear friend you cannot know god you cannot know god unless you know jesus unless you know jesus and john i'll throw this one in there let me find it here john chapter uh, john chapter 14 john chapter 14 verses 8 through 11 philip said to to jesus lord show us the father and it is enough for us jesus said to him he said to philip have i been with you so long and you still do not know me philip whoever has seen me has seen the father how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words that I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority, but the, uh, but, uh, but the Father who dwells in me does his works. Believe me that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or else believe on account of the works themselves. Jesus is the full revelation of God. There on Mount Sinai God came down in fire. But in Jesus Christ he came down in human flesh and revealed himself as a merciful saving God who accomplished salvation through through his cross and through his resurrection. So that when we trust in Him and put our faith in Him, He gives us eternal life. Oh, God has revealed Himself in a special way through the gospel written to, given to us in the Bible and through His Son, Jesus. God has revealed Himself relationally. And directly to us through the Bible and through His Son, Jesus Christ. You can know God personally in a loving relationship if you trust the good news. You put your faith in Jesus Christ. Knowing God motivates obedience. Knowing God in a personal, intimate loving way through Jesus Christ motivates obedience. God has made Himself known and He wants you to know Him and love Him in a personal relationship. And He has invited you to know Him through His Word and through His Son, Jesus Christ. Jesus says in John 14 16 I'm the way the truth and the life no one comes to the father except through me do you know Jesus if you know God through Christ you will be motivated you will be motivated. not maybe you will be motivated to live in loving obedience to God's will because you know That God's Word, His will is all out of love for you. He's proven that love. Giving His Son, Jesus, for you. He invites you into this relationship. He invites you into a loving relationship. The question is, will you respond? Will you respond? Will you know God? Through Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Heavenly Father. Lord we thank you that you revealed yourself first of all to Israel there on Mount Sinai and in deuteronomy the text that we're reading lord we thank you that you have revealed yourself we thank you that throughout the ages lord you have revealed yourself to your people through your prophets and apostles and lord we thank you that you have revealed yourself in a special and specific way through your son jesus christ who came and lived among us and we beheld his glory and we saw his sacrifice for us and we saw your power and the power of his resurrection Lord you loved us and you sent Jesus to save us thank you Lord for your revelation for revealing yourself to us as a loving merciful God now lord let us respond to your love today first and foremost by committing to you in a loving relationship by your grace through faith in jesus christ lord if there's any today who's never trusted in jesus lord i pray that they would see your love today and that you would change their hearts to let them see and understand and believe in jesus and be saved today And for us, O Lord, who have trusted in your name, Lord, let us know you. The power of your salvation each and every day. And Lord, let let that motivate us to live for your honor and your glory in this world. These things I pray in Christ's name. Amen.